Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Chris Dashew. I'm Mike White. And this is Father Malone. And we're the hosts of Dreams for Sale, a once-a-month look at the Twilight Zone 1985, otherwise known as the only version of the show worth watching that wasn't the original. On this episode, we're going to be taking a look at the fourth episode of Season 2. Hopefully it's better than the last one. This episode is broken into three segments. The After Hours, Lost and Found, and The World Next Door. So this episode aired October 18th, 1986. This is the first segment after hours. It is directed by Bruce Malmuth, written by Rod Serling and Rockne O'Bannon. Why do you say Rod Serling, Chris? That's because this is a reinvention or reboot or reimagining of the original episode of the same name. This one stars Terry Farrell as a very confused woman who wants to figure out why she's being locked inside of a shopping mall. If it's because she's a mannequin, you've guessed the episode already. That's pretty much it. Father Malone, what did you think? Um, I, I liked this one. Um, uh, I was a fan of the original Rod Serling uh, episode. Um, but uh, as far as remakes on this show go, uh, I thought this one was uh, uh, sort of skillfully updated. Uh, I liked the mall setting. Uh, I liked uh, the uh, mannequin character she was interacting with. I felt it was sort of you know, uh, suitably creepy. And, um, I mean, look, I have, I have problems with it here and there, but, uh, overall I thought, uh, like a worthy successor to the original. Um, uh, not to mention the fact that the mannequins themselves, when we finally get the reveal are really well done. Like usually, uh, like on a television show when they do a statue of somebody, it, it looks terrible, but I thought these were really good. What'd you think, Mike? I liked the effects of when she was turning back into a mannequin. I thought like the shot of her mannequin leg and mannequin hand and all those were good. And yeah, I liked Ned Bellamy a lot as one of the more menacing uh, mannequins and, and Wedgworth. I always like her and stuff. And uh, she always brings that kind of, you know, little ditzy charm to things. And then that she's more of a menacing character. I was like, Ooh, that's good. Um, I got a little tired of hearing people going, Marsha, Marsha yeah. through the whole thing. Um, 
it ran a little long for me, but yeah, I thought it was pretty decent. Chris, how about you? Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's it's a serviceable remake of an episode that's, you know, not one of the ones. I get your people point to that episode as being like an amazing. But I, I mean, I guess it's a good. The yeah. original is better, but the original also has more going on. I mean, the original is a more fleshed out idea. I'm not lamenting this, saying that I needed a longer segment. I, I don't because. If you don't know where this is going from the opening narration, oh, come on. (laughs) Right? Like, I don't know. Like, it's, I don't have any issue with shows telegraphing the twist, but don't act like, don't act like we're not going to catch on to it. Because, like, she's a mannequin, crazy. It's like, I guess. She's a mannequin, baby. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's okay. It's just okay. I don't know. There's not there's not much going on. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, I kept waiting for Christopher Eccleston and Rose to show up and <laughs> all the mannequins attack them. But, you know, but, you know, it worked. Uh, yeah. And uh, Chris, as you said, uh, Anne Wedgworth is uh, a treasure. Uh, she is so, uh, as you said, like comes off kind of ditzy sweet but can turn on the menace like nobody's business i was watching this with my girl jess and she was and she turned to me and said i love ann wedgeworth but she's always come off really creepy to me and uh and and i agree with her and uh but at the same time if i'm sure mike you remember on three's company what was jack tripper's problem that he didn't find her attractive that's absolutely insane yeah Am, am i wrong well it's because he was gay Oh, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Mr. Furley knew it. The Ropers knew it. Everybody seemed to know it except for Jack. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, again, I, I didn't think this episode reinvented the wheel necessarily, uh, but I just thought it was uh, – it, it kind of cut out what needed to be cut out and sort of got right to it, which is her being menaced uh, at, at every turn. Um, I agree the twist is not so spectacular, but it's uh, it's an interesting uh, uh, an interesting viewing of it. I, I don't know. I, I liked where they went with it. I like the framing device that she's come back to the mall. Like, it's not her being sent out into the world. It's her coming back. What I don't understand, and this this is because this is the way the episode's written, not because it has any logical reasoning to be this way. Why doesn't she remember? It's never explained. It's never alluded to as to why. They don't explain it. They don't even hang a lantern on it. She's just coming back to the mall because she is getting a toy for the landlord's kid. So the landlord is the clearly is in cahoots with these mannequins is a mannequin question mark. I don't think it has anything to do with the landlord because the landlord's kid doesn't have a birthday for four days. It's just like this weird homing pigeon kind of thing to come back after 30 days. But the the landlord gave her somewhere free to live. She admits that she doesn't even have money. That's true. I wouldn't let people turn from mannequin to person if they have to go through this shit every single month. I mean, every 30 days, does one of them come back and go, no, I'm not a mannequin. (laughs) <laughs> or Marvin Martian. <laughs> it's it's fucking weird because, like you just said, does everyone forget? 
do only some of them forget? Do you only forget if you're not in the mall anymore? Do you forget if you want to forget? Do you wake up one day and you've just forgotten? It's never explained. And it's not, I'm not asking for much. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Again, no internal logic. I do they have could to have say, thrown a couple of lines of dialogue between the mannequins explaining these things. It could have been really quick and painless. One thing that I found very effective was all the mannequin heads in the bin. When oh, she yeah. Looks in the bin. Oh, my God. <laughs> I thought that was so very good. nice. It's like the best little view of this kind of lackluster segment. That mm. weird visual makes this segment worth it. But it's a, it's a terrifying visual. Yeah. Which is something that is, that is in short supply in this particular iteration of the series. Yeah. Yeah. Where's the there howling a, man when you need him? Where's the shadow man? Come on. Yeah. He's probably living under somebody else's bed. <laughs> Why doesn't he come live in mine? <laughs> it's, it's, it's strange. Because, you know, in the original, she realizes she's a mannequin. In this one, like... In this one, she doesn't accept that she's a mannequin. She just turns into a mannequin. Like, that's fucking a bizarre choice, right? That's a little bit more of, like, a mean-spirited choice, mm-hmm. I think. I mean, I don't yeah, really I, care either way, but, but it's, like, I, an 80s... I don't it's a little bit of an invalid, 80s though. spin, right? Yeah, it felt very much of the time, just right. like the, uh, the, the gentility of the uh, uh, original episode uh, is, is of its time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and this is like, you're trapped as a mannequin forever. Like, okay, that's the awful. The other was like, oh, hey, by the way, you're you're a mannequin. Oh, I am? Oh, okay. I thought that Shadow Play was a lot sooner, a lot closer to this episode. I was going to say, like, we're only four episodes in, and we've had two remakes, but I forgot that that was the previous season. So I'm curious how many more in this season are going to be remakes. Yeah, what last season had what Shadowplay and uh, Night of the Meek. Right. And it also had um, A Little Peace and Quiet. That's right. Which was like, what, the second segment of the show? Mm. Yeah, it was, on, it, was the, it was the second segment opposite Shatterday. But it wasn't exactly... Right, no, it, it wasn't... It was no. close. Right, yeah. it was, yeah. And this this is close. I mean, again, this isn't like a full remake. Like, it takes... The idea, I would say this is closer to a straight remake than anything else we've seen. Yeah. Well, Night of the Meek was pretty close. And both of those segments are written by Rock Neobannon. Right. Hmm. Let's talk about the next segment, Lost and Found. So Lost and Found is directed by Gus Draconis. It's written by Phyllis Eisenstein and George R.R. Martin, of all people. Yet another notch in George R.R. Martin's very big belt. Uh, this, it wasn't a fat joke. I'm fat too, George R. R. Martin. Not that you're listening to this or you care. Um, <laughs> How dare you? Avidly. <laughs> How dare you? I'm too busy not writing funny? my book to care. <laughs> Do you find it amusing, a big man like me, listening to a little podcast like this? <laughs> Come on, this everyone. The only Let's I laugh at the little podcast. <laughs> But seriously, this segment is about a, a, a girl who finds that her things are missing. And then it turns yeah. out that she's president in the future. <laughs> okay, that was a weird connection that we all had to make pretty quickly, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. This was five minutes long, maybe. 
I mean, here we are complaining. Four minutes too long. We're complaining a few episodes ago, like, where are the short segments? Bring back the little short segments. And then we get Not one, these. and it's just like, yeah, okay. I'd almost like to go back and read the Phyllis Eisenstein story and see what that's like, because I figure it's got to be better than this. But it's got to be, what, 500 words, maybe? Yeah, it can't be more. I mean, this is a thumbnail. This segment is—it's it, like the, the beginning of a a, a a a different segment or a, a different episode entirely, where they would give us the reasons that going back in time and taking things and changing the time stream are really bad. Instead, it's kind of like a a joke. Like if these are time travelers in this world, that world is fucked, man. Yeah, because these people have <laughs> these people have no protocols at all. Also, the real question was. <laughs> was 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 Mr. Papschmear sent forward in time to kill the future president of the earth? Is that what was going on here? I couldn't stop staring at Ray Burke's face realizing he was Papschmear from Naked Gun and just thinking what, what, like of all the things for you to be in right now, this is the last place I thought I would see you dressed as like a out of time time traveler who dress, is dressed in Victorian era garb and, and silvery. And we know that this has to be the future because they're talking to a black woman and there's no way that we can have a black president, much less a black world leader. Though I I have to say, seeing a black character show up, I just said, oh, wow, this show's really white. Like we had that one segment last season of the Asian guy, the really overly angry Asian guy. And, like, we really don't get very many people of color at all in this show. Or they put them all together, like, in um, Eye of Newton or uh, the, right. the Devil's Hand. Dealer's Choice. Yeah, Dealer's Choice. Like, it's like they it, – oh, my God. It's crazy that I was able to just think of the three episodes. Yeah. <laughs> and there was the uh, – what, the Paladin of the Lost Hour as well. Right. But, yeah, it's very, like – you don't see too many people of color just like hanging out in these episodes. Nope. Jeez, now you're making me think this segment is a win. <laughs> I will say this segment is a win from the sheer fact that it's five and a half minutes long. Did they take her garbage out of her garbage can? They were taking her stuff to like have it okay. as heirlooms or sell it because she's the first president of the earth. I mean, right. all the things you're going to go time travel, you know, steal the future or i guess current or past whatever the fuck it is in their timelines president's coffee cup like what yeah that's Wouldn't you go just get rich? they have a line where they're like we're not supposed to take anything you'll miss so people are just doing this randomly right everything you that goes missing it's like a future time traveler like building a museum for you or something i liked the so idea that the socks. things were getting lost because of those blue people in the episode with uh, alan arkin's son you remember that? Yes. Wasn't that yeah. asking the same question? What happens to your stuff when it goes lost? Right. That was exactly the same thing. Wasn't yeah. it Chris. the same uh, as that character, the episode you were talking about, Mike, with the angry Asian character in the Lost and Found? It's the same fucking thing. Yeah. 
Chris, when you watch uh, Rodney Asher's A Glitch in the Matrix, try not to think of that Adam Merkin episode, because that's all I could think of watching that movie. Oh, my <laughs> and God. And I kept waiting for that re- for that segment to be referenced. And Please tell referenced. me if you've talked to him, you mentioned it to him. I did not. I, okay. Yeah. I don't know what this show's obsession with lost and found items is, but it's it's had it addressed three times now. <laughs> it's enough already. Yeah. Just lose it. And and the second explanation was the more interesting of the three. Because this this episode segment is really just not much of anything. Like, I don't even understand what the message is. Like, there will be a future where a African-American woman will be president? I sure fucking hope so. President of the world. Of the earth, right. So I couldn't tell. Was it important because she was African-American and a woman? Or was it because she was president of the earth? I think it's because she's president of the earth. I think by that time, we're done seeing color. Unless you're silvery. I think we're adding too much thought to an episode that doesn't (laughs) deserve it. I think you're right. (laughs) It's five minutes of worthlessness, uh, bolstered a little bit by the fact that uh, we're we're focused on an African-American for once here in the Twilight Zone. It's true. So let's talk about the final segment of the episode, The World Next Door. For most of us, our heart's desire seems to lie behind a bolted door. But what if the lives we find so familiar were someone else's dream come true? Perhaps for all of us, somewhere is a hidden door into the Twilight Zone. The World Next Door is directed by Paul Lynch, written by Lan O'Coon. It stars George Went, Jeffrey Tambor, and Burnett Burkett. And uh, George Went plays a man who believes that he's living in another world. Maybe. Who knows? Uh, boy, fun segments, folks. Real good. I like this one. I like this one, that, too. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. It was, it, it didn't, uh, it, it was never insulting. Uh, it may not have had the, uh, the, the greatest sort of MacGuffin to, to link these two worlds, but uh, enjoyed hanging out with these characters. Um, and ultimately, uh, like in the end, when you, when you realize that like he's abandoning that previous life, but this doppelganger of him is like dying to live that life. I thought that was kind of cool. I like the whole thing of how the other society that he escapes into has those weird societal rules. The whole thing of like him and Jeffrey Tambor dancing together and the women yeah. are like, Oh yeah. So you know, weird. We, we don't dance. Uh, our legs can't take it. And this just, yeah, all of this stuff, like how the woman is asking him for a date. And I was like, okay, this is kind of neat. And I like that they don't explain this stuff, that it doesn't get bogged down and like, well, in our world, you know, this and this and this and this, and Oh, you're breaking taboo. It's just, He's just there, and he's like, "Okay, I'll go with it." It kind of reminded me almost of like a like a Simpsons episode or something, where especially with like Homer and all of his awful inventions and home repairs and stuff. And I can just see him meeting another Homer and them switching places. I thought it was okay. It's okay, right? I mean, again, at this point, it just has to be better than uh, the the previous episodes nightmarish segments i i've honestly just bl- blurted bl- blurred them out of my mind already i don't even remember their names uh, it's okay i mean i like george went jeffrey tambor could never grace my screen again and i would be okay but george went is fine he, again it's just my my whole issue is this story 
we've seen it before. And like, I, I, I guess it's, oh, I want to, the life that I want is maybe the life that someone else wants. Like the life I have is a life that someone else wants. Okay. Yeah. 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 But I, I think that's good. I, you know, this yeah, no, I didn't say it was bad. It's just, it's very simple at its core. Uh-huh. Yeah, and but th- that's fine. Like mm-hmm. you know, a flower, yeah, is pretty I agree. Simple, but you know, pretty beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Especially it's so rare. One. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it, it's so rare that the uh, the that a, a protagonist gets a win here in the Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, double I win, mind you. Yeah, What's that? that's I thought, it's a double win. I, a double yeah. win. Yeah, I felt I felt great knowing that that guy was like, oh, I can't I can't wait to not invent and just have this woman boss me around. <laughs> like, I thought, okay, well, yeah, different strokes are different folks. Everyone's happy at the end of this one. Good. I guess the thing I didn't understand and or didn't I, I didn't understand how they knew about each other and they like didn't know about each other until the end. I guess I just didn't understand how any of it worked. He he was dreaming about the other guy who existed. Uh-huh. And then he found the other guy when he opened the basement door. Or did he become the other guy when he walked through the basement door? He kind of became the other guy when he walked through the... Well, no. But the other I guy exists, though, right? I think about it. He kind of like took that guy's place. But that other guy is a separate person from yes. him. Okay. That's yeah. like... I think that's the biggest failing of the episode is not explain not not explaining that, but not making that clear. Because... If they had made that a little clear, I would actually go as far as to say that this is a very fun and interesting segment. It just gets a, it's, there's a little bit of confusement on my, or a little, I was a little confused on my part because I didn't understand that whole, like, is he, and then they answer it right at the end, but it's like, just maybe if you'd explained it like two or three minutes earlier, it would have made a little bit more sense. But then that would have uh, taken away the, the sort of revelation that there was another him now and in that place. But that when that happened, I just didn't understand what the fuck was going on. It didn't oh. make any sense. I just didn't understand it because all of a sudden there is another version of him. And the episode just expects us to accept that without fanfare or explanation. Again, I no issue with it. It's just, I wanted to know there was another character because then it makes perfect sense. So I'm just a pain in the you ass. you did like it because you do know it. I know it now. Sure. That's what I'm saying. It's decent. I just... I wish the episode had made it a little clearer. That's all. That's uh-huh. my issue. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I said like I had like a couple of reservations, like the the sort of uh, method with which these guys like meet each other is uh, not exactly uh, explained. And uh, they, they don't get into the specifics of how to switch bodies and stuff. But uh, like ultimately, like I can fill in those blanks. You know, they they don't need to. Uh, they don't need to do the, the the heavy lifting if they're just going to keep it frothy like they they seem to for the entire episode. Guys, I think we're in trouble. Like looking ahead at the next couple episodes, it's like this aired October eighteenth. There is no Twilight Zone eighty five or eighty six now in November. We get three episodes in December. There's none in January. We get two in February. The same. Well, one episode in February. We get none in April, and then we go to May, and then we get none in June, and then we get one in July, sorry, two in July, and that's it. This is really a bad sign. Like, this feels like they're trying to kill this show. 
they they did kill the show, as a matter of fact. So we get through, what, December, you said? Uh, then they canceled the show, and then they just burned off the episodes whenever they had a uh, a hole in their schedule. Mm. So how did they get a third season? They discovered that if they had uh, if they made the episodes that they had previously uh, sort of jettisoned while canceling the uh, the second season, uh, then if they made those, then they would have enough for syndication. Wow. That's right. Instead of the, you know, the regular five seasons before you get to syndication. Yeah. Because they had hour long segments, they could split them into half hour segments and then have the, uh, the requisite number to, uh, to get that sweet, sweet syndication money. Oh, Jesus. Wow. Yeah. Cause you have to have what? A hundred episodes. Mm-hmm. Mm. Man, I'm very curious where we're going to go yeah. after this month. Well, we're going to go into single episode story hell for a while. I think, I mean, it sounds to me, looking at everything, that this is the last official episode of the show. Right? I mean, ostensibly, the original run of the show, this is it. Everything else is just kind of thrown together mishmash. Well, I, I will say everything season three is thrown together mishmash because clearly they intended for what they have left of season two to have aired, you know, sequentially. So I don't know that it says that the, there's going to be a drop in quality. I'm being hopeful, guys. Uh, <laughs> you're being hopeful because you haven't seen the first couple minutes of the next segment or you have. You're just no, pretending I, like you have. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Uh, Toys of Caliban is a dreadful slog. No question. But um, – I don't really remember the, the episodes that come after. So so it's kind of like t- Tales from the Crypt episode or season seven territory. We know where this on, could man. go, but it's unknown to most of us. Yes. <laughs> I wasn't talking about the quality. I'm hopeful on quality. We have yeah. seen more segments of this show. I'm not talking about episodes as a whole, because I think grading these as an episode is completely unnecessary. It's about the segments. I think we've seen more good to great to amazing segments than we have bad to awful to dreadful. But the ones that are bad that really stick out kind of overshadow everything else. And now, you know, the realization that this is kind of the end of the show in so many ways, it really doesn't feel good. I remain hopeful. (laughs) I mean, at least Tales from the Crypt was allowed to die, you know, in you know a, a, a glorified death by going out as a show, finishing out a season and not getting torn apart. You know, one season turned into three seasons. You know, this is a completely different story here. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. It's true, but uh, there are uh, still there's still potential for a good episode or two. Whereas the last two seasons of Tales from the Crypt are just a, 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 a slog, as a, a, a trip to the swamp. It's just bad. Oh. There might be individual segments coming up that might be good. Well, on the next episode, I can more or less guarantee I don't think okay, we're going fine. to be any. I'm sorry, we're everyone. Not- we're going to be talking about the toys of Caliban, which just ahead of time, in case you're wondering, it is an episode about a mentally challenged child. So that's 86. I don't know how they're going to approach it. Um, uh, Oh, tastefully. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Until then, where can people find you, Mike White? 
Well, you can find me over at the Projection Booth Podcast, which is available at projectionboothpodcast.com. What about you, Father Malone? Uh, you can check me out over at fathermalone.com. Check out my podcast, Dark Destinations. You can also hear me over on, well, we just talked about it a little bit, the Chronicles from the Crypt podcast that Chris and I are doing as we are rounding out the final season of that show. And as for me, you can find me on Twitter at Christmas Claus. You can find this podcast on the internet at twilightzone85.com or also on Twitter at twilightzone 85 Big thanks as always to Roxy Drive and Neutron Dreams for the music. We'll catch you on the next episode. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.